Barbie, good morning and welcome to the show. Well, good morning and thank you. I'm so honored to be here. There's so much happening in the talent acquisition space. We have been thrown into an acceleration like we've never experienced before in the workplace. Welcome to Future Speak. I'm your host, Sam Eaton, and I'm delighted today to be interviewing Barbie Winterbottom. Barbie's the founder of the business of HR. She'll be talking today about talent acquisition and how she sees the industry changing. Barbie, good morning and welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on today. You've got so much great experience and advice to give people. So without further ado, I think you'd probably introduce yourself better than I could. So please <laughs> just introduce who you, your company and what you do. Well, good morning and thank you. I'm so honored to be here and excited to have this conversation with you and who knows where it'll go. Um, but for your audience and those who don't know me, my name is Barbie Winterbottom and I'm the founder and CEO of the Business of HR. And I come into this with over 20 years of experience working in human resources and leadership um, from startups to Fortune 50 companies. Since I launched my own firm, I have a passion for helping folks who work in HR to become business leaders who work in the people space. And it's so important, right? For so many years, we've heard HR folks clamoring for a seat at the table and in order to earn that seat and retain it, we have to speak the language of our business leaders so that they understand that what we have to offer and what we bring is as credible and as important as every other business function within an organization. And so I'm, I'm so excited to, to have this conversation because we're going to talk about so many great things within the HR and talent acquisition space, which is a lot of the work I do today from a transformation perspective and what's happening now and what we can anticipate going forward. Bobby, thank you. And you've just said it. I'd love to hear your views on what are you seeing happening now in that space? What trends are you aware of? There's so much happening in the talent acquisition space specifically, right? We're, we're experiencing the post or pseudo post COVID great migration or great resignation. Um, and, and I think that was something we could have anticipated. If we really were, were thoughtful and take a look at what we have gone through as people over the past now two years, we have been thrown into an acceleration like we've never experienced before in the workplace. We've had the industrial age and we've had the, the information age and all of these great um, timeframes within the world of work. But what we've experienced in the past two years has happened so fast that we're now seeing, I think, a, a um, the results of some of that and how people and workers feel differently about their place in this world and their place in the world of work. And that's really impacting talent acquisition and retention. 
folks now understand that they have choices they didn't believe they had before. I, I think people understand they no longer have to accept mediocrity or toxicity in the workplace like they did before. And oftentimes we, we talk about this and we're referring to what some might think of as uh, white collar workers or professional or quote unquote higher level workers. And I, and I hate that, that term, but it is something that most people can relate to. What I think is different now is that everyone recognizes that they have those same choices and opportunities from folks who are entry level in the workplace and folks who are in food service and hospitality and what we would consider hourly workers. They now understand that they can have and expect a better work environment a better culture, a better recruiting experience, and better wages, and they're not going to settle for less. So that's impacting talent acquisition in, in multiple different ways. We now have to reach people in ways in, that feel organic. It's no longer placing a job ad out there and waiting for the hundreds or thousands of applicants to come flooding through because they're simply not. They have myriad choices and they're being significantly more selective. And what employers are starting to learn and a lot of the work I'm doing with my clients is helping them to understand that the talent acquisition process starts way before you post a job on a job board or a site or however you're posting it, however you're sharing it. It starts with branding your organization authentically. It starts with humanizing your workplace. It starts with creating a culture that is accepting of all and not only accepting of all, but supportive and nurturing for all people. I say this often, and, and Sam, you've heard me say this, but we don't hang our humanity at the door when we walk into work. And for the past how many you know centuries, we have treated workers as one-dimensional beings when we think of them as employees. And we have to understand that we are sophisticated, multi-dimensional consumers, humans with emotions and feelings and thoughts and ideas. And we want a consumer-like experience from talent acquisition and from our employers. And we've got to start integrating that throughout the entire life cycle of that employee, or they're not going to be interested in working with us. And if we do attract them, we likely won't retain them because other folks are getting on board with this understanding and, and really working to transform their organizations. Yeah, and there's just so much in that, Barbie, that we're seeing. A couple of points there that I'd love you to go into more detail about. You talk there about the fact that we need to not only accept people for who they are the moment they walk through the door and that, that multidimensional aspect of it, but the support piece as well. There's a huge difference, isn't there, between the two. What are you seeing in that regard? There is such a huge difference in that. And, and there's an analogy I share with a lot of my clients. And I don't know if I've shared this with you before, but um, 
it, and it has to do with an ice cream party, which I find if you can share concepts and ideas in the form of story, people tend to really understand it in more meaningful ways. So the story is that your, your entire company hit a major accomplishment, whether it was a sales goal, a, an EBITDA goal, or what have you. You launched your, your biggest product ever, and, and it was a, a, an, a resounding success. And so as one of the points of reward, the company says, we're going to throw an ice cream party for everyone Friday afternoon at 2 p.m. So everyone in the organization clears their calendars so that they can be down in the meeting space at 2 p.m. The party planning folks take great pains. They research as many vendors as possible. They want the best quality and the most diversity of flavors and types of ice cream. They get dairy, non-dairy, lactose-free, all all the choices so that everybody in the organization has something that they are able to eat and enjoy. So, and, and to be proactive, We have the ice cream delivered at 10 a.m. that morning so that we can set it all up with all the right dishes and all the right locations and everything is there. The ice cream is delivered on time and it's it's there and it's ready. The employees come down at two o'clock and they're excited about it and they go to select their ice cream and it's all melted. So whose fault is that? Do we get angry at the ice cream for melting? Do we get angry because we didn't create a safe container to keep that ice cream cold while it was there so it could be in its optimal form and optimal state at two o'clock for that party? And when we think about diversity and inclusion and acceptance and talent acquisition specifically, we can go out and recruit the most diverse people on the planet from race, ethnicity, learning styles, abilities, disabilities, every type of diversity possible. But if we don't have a safe space for them that keeps them safe and allows them to thrive as they are, then we are failing from a DEI perspective. So the acceptance piece is one element, but creating a space that allows them to be nurtured and grow in whatever ways they need it is incredibly important. And, and, it, and it speaks to the individualization of where I think growth and development is is now and is going to continue to be going forward. It's not a one size fits all. And we've been dealing with that kind of mentality and, and living through that mentality for many, many years. We have one learning program. We have one promotional cycle. We have one of everything and everybody has to do exactly the same thing because we, we have convinced ourselves that that's what equality means. But we haven't considered what equity means in this regard and what true support and acceptance looks like so that people of all different types and learning styles are able to truly thrive. So when we think about that ice cream analogy, I think it really helps lock that concept in for people when when we often struggle to understand it. Yeah, absolutely. And Barbie, it's something that really resonates with me, that that whole ice cream story, because, you know, for so many businesses, sadly, 
today, they're still going through that tick box exercise, right? So we're, we're doing the right thing because we can tick that box. And it's got to be that whole hearts and minds piece. Yes. Moving yeah. forward, we're also seeing the world of benefits change, right? Because how we work, where we work, the values of the company we want to work with, and we've all seen the stats, average um, job tenure now is 2.8 years. But that's mm-hmm. an important piece as well, isn't it? That The whole benefits piece. And, and again, I know you've got um, some great associations and stories around some benefits that are hugely beneficial to people today. I do. You know, I feel really passionately about this as well, because one of the things I think really keen folks and those who are really dialed in are recognizing from a DE&I perspective is that it's not an initiative. It's not something we can pull off the shelf and say, okay, today we're going to do diversity and inclusion. Um, Tomorrow we're launching a project for um, equity and acceptance. It has to be a through line and woven into everything we do from attraction to exit. If we don't have that DEI lens through every element and every touch point of our contact with people within our organizations, we are not going to really meet the mark from, from that perspective. And so when we think about benefits, this is another element that I get super excited about. So I do work with folks over at Daily Pay. And when we think about on-demand pay solutions, a lot of folks get like a little freaked out. They don't understand what it is because we've, a lot of us have been trained to think about on-demand pay as predatory payday loans. And what Daily Pay has done is they've created and brought forward a product into the marketplace that allows employees to access any earned but unpaid wages at any time through an app on their phone. So when we when we go back to what we were talking about earlier, that we are sophisticated consumers, right? We live our lives through this little device 24-7. We are banking. We are shopping. We are doing everything we need to do through this little handheld device. Why does our paycheck have to be the old school, we get paid once a month or every two weeks? Because what we find is that most Americans specifically, and and I I think this is um, applicable globally as well, live paycheck to paycheck and have very little in savings. So when we think about an event that could happen, that could really cause a catastrophic snowball effect or impact to an individual or a family, it could be something as simple as a flat tire on your way to work. If you don't have enough money in your account to either repair or replace that tire, the impact of that can be so significant. You're going to lose wages for that day because you can't get to work. You can't get the tire fixed. So what do you do? You might write a check that you hope will flow until your paycheck is deposited, or you might have to put it on a credit card with really high interest rate, 
or you may not get it fixed at all because you simply don't have any resources, which means you're going to miss more work and be further behind the eight ball from an income perspective. What Daily Pay allows you to do is to log into your app and say, oh, I've worked three days this week. I have $150 or $250 in my earned wages account. I'm going to transfer $100 into my checking account right now so I can get this tire taken care of and get to work in an hour. So we eliminate overdraft fees. We eliminate missing work and losing additional compensation, potentially disciplinary action because you didn't give 24 hours notice or you were tardy. So all of these things that we may not think about because we're in a place of privilege impact people throughout the world in ways that we may not recognize. Daily pay is not alone. There is absolutely no interest that is paid and it's not a clawback. And a lot of folks don't understand what that means, but a clawback means that we front you the money today, but then on payday, we we take it out of your checking account. And if you're not paying really close attention that could cause significant overdraft fees. The data that Daily Pay shares with their clients and with everyone is that most users save an average of $1,200 a year on overdraft fees and interest payments. And that money that they're saving could potentially go into their 401k and get matched by their employer, go into a savings account. So they're really changing the way we pay people, which can then create generational differences of, of wealth accumulation. So when we talk about equity and, and leveling that playing field, it's not only giving people more access to their own money, but it's also creating an equity space. And their data is so robust about how minorities are significantly impacted, right? It's expensive to be poor. And when you're in those, those socioeconomic spaces, everything is more expensive. So when you don't have to rely on those expensive money um, access tools and you can access what you've already earned, it's, it's a game changer, absolute game changer. So organizations that are thinking from a progressive perspective are looking at benefits like that, that they can bring into their organizations and just not for nothing, but daily pay doesn't cost the employer anything at all. It is a phenomenal benefit. And more and more companies are starting to recognize that these progressive benefit programs are the way of the future. What can we do to help our employees and improve their lives outside of their work life? What can we do that makes their lives better that's not necessarily related to improving their efficiency or teaching them a new tool or a new software system, right? It, it, it truly helps them holistically as a person and potentially their family and their next generation. That is what employees are looking for. And smart employers are on that bus and looking for more and more opportunities to do so. Yeah, and it's, it's a phenomenal benefit um, as you said, and that inclusivity is something that I hope we see more and more of, certainly in that talent acquisition space. When we look ahead, say 12, 18 months to what's going to happen in the marketplace, or just a gut feeling for what you see may happen, what are your thoughts as to what you're seeing and what do you like to see happen? 
I think we're going to start seeing the average tenure drop even further from 2.8 to maybe 2.5 to maybe 2.3. Because what another trend I'm seeing, and, and you know, I coach a lot of HR professionals, especially those who are in transition, who are considering making a move or what have you. A lot of folks are now realizing that if they accept a position because they were sold a bill of goods, but when they get there, the reality is completely different. They're not staying. You know, the old the old school mentality was, well, I'm going to stick it out for at least a year. I'm going to stick it out for two years and then I'll start looking because I don't want to be considered a quote unquote job hopper. People are, are doing away with that. And they're like, you know what? You told me I could expect this. I was going to have balance in my life. I was going to have support for learning. I was going to have support for whatever it was that, that I negotiated on the front end. And when that doesn't come to fruition, people are not willing to stay and accept less than what they were promised. So I'm seeing people leave in three, four, and six months because they don't have to stay. Millions of people around the globe were impacted by COVID and lost their jobs. I'm one of those people. And I launched my own company. Other people figured out ways to survive without being employed by their former employers. And now that we have built that resilience and that recognition that, you know what, maybe it wasn't fun, maybe it wasn't ideal, but we survived, we now know that we are empowered to do what's best for ourselves and our families and our careers. And we're not willing to settle for anything less than what is best for us. So I believe that organizations need to get really honest with candidates because it's not that a candidate expects perfection. That doesn't exist. What they expect is authenticity, truth, and transparency. If, if a candidate goes in knowing that for the first 90 days, you're going to be working nine to 10 hours a day because we have this huge project we're launching. But after that, it will go back to a traditional eight hours and we're gonna, we're gonna reduce your work schedule to four days a week. Or if you're promised you're going to have learning support. So once a month, you'll have access to online learning or you're going to have administrative support, whatever those things are, but, and they don't happen, people are not willing to settle. Is, but if you're authentic and you're transparent with them and you give them the knowledge and, and a realistic expectation, then they can make that choice. We're strong people. We're able to handle a lot, but we need to know what that is going into it. Don't sell us something simply to fill the job and check the box. Sell us the reality and let us make an informed decision. That's really what everybody wants, just the respect of information. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Bobby, I have a very important question for you. If oh. you were stuck on a desert island, what one thing would you take with you? My dog. Yeah, perfect answer. <laughs> I would take, I mean, that's a really hard question, but my dog and I, I and my wife is going to kill me if she sees this. I, I might get divorced because of you now, but um, <laughs> if I could only have one thing, one of us would have to stay around for the children. So if I had to be just me on an island for however long, 
I would want the company of my dog. I think that's a perfectly acceptable answer. And I love the way then you just did one for the team there and you split everyone up so they were all looking after each other. That is perfectly fine and acceptable. Barbie, I could talk to you for hours. Jess, you're such an inspiration. The value you bring in terms of the talent acquisition space and just humanity, what employers should be doing and encouraging them to do the right thing beyond COVID, beyond whatever comes next. Um, It's just wonderful. And in terms of your hopes for for talent acquisition, what's your one hope that we achieve? I hope that talent acquisition professionals recognize how important bringing an organization's values into the TA process actually is. So we talked about transparency, which is incredibly important, but also grounding your entire process into a consumer-like experience grounded and anchored into your organizational values. Because we often talk to candidates about the what, right? What are the results that you've been able to drive? What results do you believe you will drive here? What do you bring to us from a skills perspective? But you and I know, Sam, that skills are becoming obsolete in two and a half to five years with the pace and rate at which new technology is being introduced new processes and systems are rolling out, our skill sets, if we're not constantly evolving them, are obsolete. So from a talent acquisition perspective, the best way to find strong talent is to understand their why and their how. And you can only do that by understanding your organization's why and your organization's how so that you can decide and determine if they're aligned. Right. And we're not talking about culture fit because we understand that fit can be discriminatory, but we are talking about alignment from a values perspective. So if if taking ownership is a big deal for your company, make sure that you're building that into your TA process. If leading with courage is something that you expect from your people leaders, then build that into your TA process. It's so important to have that robust, deep dive dialogue on the front end to determine alignment from the how and the why and move away from simply focusing on the skills or the school or the degree. Those things can be important. Certainly in certain professions, degrees, certifications are absolutely important. I don't want a brain surgeon who isn't board certified in neuroscience and and neurosurgery and all of that, right? So I get that. I'm not talking about those types of things. CPAs need to be certified and degreed. I get that. But when we're looking at the majority of people in the workforce, what I believe is more important than the what is the how, because we don't live in a Machiavellian society, I hope. And if we want to build healthy cultures, we need to understand that how we deliver the work we do is as important as what we deliver. Otherwise, you're going to create a really ugly culture focused solely on nothing but results where you have infighting and politicking and jockeying and folks stealing customers from other people. 
And, and I've had people laugh at me when I say this, but I experience it every day. I'm brought in to help organizations transform their cultures and their TA processes. And there's a reason they hire me. They hire me because they have these really ugly things happening in their companies and they need it to be different and they don't necessarily know how. So anchoring to your values is absolutely what I believe every organization needs to look at with with thoughtful and and intention so that they can create a process that will bring them the talent aligned with their organization's values. Barbie, thank you. I could talk to you for hours, but I'd like to thank you for your time today and just sharing your experiences and your insights with us. And uh, yeah, see you soon. Thanks again, Barbie. Thank you. It was wonderful to be here. Thank you for listening to Future Speak today. For more of our content, please do head over to our YouTube channel. 